0: Cool. Na, 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 na. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Film Trooper Presents Film Marketing Fridays. And I um, am your host, Scott McMahon. I'm a fellow film trooper. And for those of you who are new to Film Trooper, Film Trooper is designed to try to help the uber-independent filmmaker become entrepreneurs. Um, and interesting enough, the uh, I run a podcast as well. So sometimes these live video Google Hangout sessions... Um, Or available on the YouTube channel, but they're also made available on iTunes and Stitcher Radio as a podcast and I'm sort of overdue and it's my bad Uh, some wonderful people have left uh, reviews on iTunes for the podcast version of all this stuff and I want to give a shout out to three different people that have left five star ratings review over at iTunes So uh, I want to thank the Conflict Guru who said, in this age of life hacking, Scott helps you hack your film career so that you can find your audience, market, and hopefully make some money so you can do it all over again. It's great for all levels. So I want to thank the Conflict Guru for that. And I want to also thank Mr. Parson who said that very informative and as a super micro-budget filmmaker in Portland myself, because I'm up here in Portland, Oregon, it's nice to see someone else doing it. And lastly, from Albert Hawthorne, um, he, he exclaims, I'm a film trooper, too. <laughs> Scott's enthusiasm is undeniable. He truly wants to solve the riddle of how to make a career out of filmmaking for the uber indie. He's uh, codified every aspect of it, makes it very clear what the task is, and provides ways to make actual money from it. Many thanks, kudos. The pod. I can't even speak English. The podcast gives out a ton of info, but I'm glad to have bought his book for even more information. There you go. So I just want to thank everybody for that. And if you are um, interested in leaving a ratings review on iTunes or subscribing to um, the YouTube channel, uh, all you have to do is just head on over to um, these links real quick. Here we go. Let's see here. Oh, there you go. There's all. just go to filmtrooper.com forward slash iTunes to leave a ratings review in iTunes or filmtrooper.com forward slash YouTube to subscribe if that's what you normally see on these film marketing Fridays. Okay, so let's just get right into it. <gasps> Look at this. <laughs> We've got a, a very hopeful, I call the hopeful dreaming uh, 40-year-old virgin, but we'll use his picture, uh, Steve Carell's picture instead to sort of sum up the feelings that a lot of us filmmakers have, and that is, you, we usually ask ourselves or we tell ourselves this, um, maybe if I make something great, I'll be discovered. That's, what we, that's, how, that's our thinking as filmmakers. Maybe if I make something great, I will be discovered. Um, sometimes we think like, you know, I just, I hate thinking about marketing. I just want to make movies. So, you know, that's why nobody wants to do marketing. You just want to make something, be discovered, and somebody else take care of it. And you tell yourself that I'm special. <laughs> at least your mom might think so, right? <laughs> we all do. Uh, and then, my movie's better than that, guys. Why am I not famous? So these are sort of the, the truths that most filmmakers have at one point or another that they find themselves in. And all this stuff some, you know, basically sums up to get to this place where the topic of today's Film Marketing Friday is basically... F marketing. <laughs> for those of you who can see it, it doesn't quite say F. It says F asterisk CK. And uh, today I'm joined by a uh, guest filmmaker, Martin Blasik, um, all, all the way down in Los Angeles where the Mecca is. And uh, let's see here. Oh, let's see. Here. How do I unmute you? I see you, Martin. I can see you. And for some reason, I don't know why. I'm trying to. Un- Can you try to unmute yourself? Oh, great. It didn't work. I thought I had something. Okay. I got an idea, Martin. It's totally, this is what happens with Google Live Hangout Air. Go ahead and uh, disconnect and come back on. And um, for some reason, I think um, I, when I unmuted you or I muted you, it won't let me unmute you for some reason. Oh, wait. So yeah come on back on and then i will uh, we'll talk a bit more about that if you can hear me uh martin just go ahead and do that so martin uh, reached out to me and he's got a lot of different projects and uh, he's working with a very talented actress and has sent me a lot of different questions that we're going to address today which i sort of summed up the theme today which is uh, f marketing and there's there's a reason behind all that stuff so i hope that martin comes back and you know what's interesting is martin's actually in los angeles driving around on his phone and um, the great thing about technology is that he's able to do it with an iPhone, just driving around, doing what he needs to do. Uh, you know, uh, there you go. Hey, there uh-huh. are. And I hear myself. I hear you. Then I see you, okay. You're driving in LA and you're joining us. And this is Martin Blasik. So- How do you do? How do you do? I'm sorry about that. I, for some reason I thought I was gonna be able to unmute you and it didn't work out that way. Uh, some things about the technology. But here you are. Why don't you give us a little rundown of who you are and what what kind of
1: work you're doing in Los Angeles? uh, Well, first off, I have a confession because I am Albert Hawthorne. uh, (laughs) That's that's my uh, pseudonym on iTunes. So uh, those were, in fact, uh, my feelings about what you're doing. And uh, so that's me.
0: Uh, oh, that is awesome. I love the pseudo name. I gotta get one. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, it's my, it's my porn star name, actually, because yeah. my doggie was Albert, and I grew up on Hawthorne, so I am Albert Hawthor-
0: Hawthorne. Oh my god, I think mine would be Alexander Ackerman. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I like it. I like it. Hey, the, the quick skinny on me is I'm a longtime songwriter, uh, composer, music producer here in Los Angeles. A lot of uh, placements in uh, TV film over the years. No, a lot of, like, kind of bass hit kind of stuff. Uh, Biggies for me is I uh, wrote a song with uh, Matthew McConaughey in Magic Mike, which he Drums and Sings on there, called Ladies of Tampa. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Lindsay Lohan sang a song of mine on camera and uh, Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen. So I come from a music side of things, but I also, you know, write scripts, and I am ready to make uh, movies. My wife is an actress, and uh, so we're – you know, confronting you know what kind of movie do we make because it's a huge commitment. And between studio gigs, you know, we're both freelancers. There's these longer periods than people think there are where you're not doing a thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, and rather than go through the process of uh, you know try and build uh, investors because sometimes you spend two years building up this consortium of investors to get your project to work. Uh, I also want to do that, but then why not? With resource <laughs> filmmaking, yeah. turn you know I've got uh, some ideas and some are further written than others, using just what we got: our place, our things, our people who we can use. And so you know we're actively ready to start knocking stuff out. You know got got the gear. You know went and studied up on what camera to get to be 4K ready, and Panasonic uh, GH4s where I went. But that's the mm-hmm. that's a short story on me. So nice. So you have this background,
0: creative background. You're mm-hmm. in the mecca of, of, of Hollywood and um, you're just like, okay, well, how do we solve this marketing problem? Or like, be, like let's get that sort of maybe addressed. So I have more clarity of ne- basically what projects we can work on in between those freelance gigs that come through. And uh, I know that the email exchange that we've had, I totally understand this. And we'll get into this later, but it's basically the creative the filmmakers, you know, curse or anybody who's creative, there's a curse to it because you have so many things you want to make. And so we'll, we'll, we'll get into that here. Cool.
1: I do suffer from a uh, too many idea. <laughs> I, <do. laughs>
0: I think a lot of us do. So let's see if we can help people get focused here. So I'm going to jump back in the slide presentation real quick. Um, hey, Martin, I don't know if there's an opportunity if there's a way that you're able to um, uh, mute yourself, is there an option on your phone or is that that way when, We don't hear the background of the, um, the cars. And then all of a sudden, when you do want to say something, just go ahead and unmute it.
1: Uh, let's try. Let me just close my windows here too. That'll help a little.
0: Okay. Sorry, (laughs) Beth. I love it. So I'm going to get into your first question. That should help a little. Yeah, there you go. I'm going to get into your first question. You basically asked like, are there any positive promotional aspects to an unknown star? And is there any, or is there some way to, to spin that as a plus? Um I think the you know sometimes the answer in your your um question is in I mean sorry the answer is in your actual question when you say star because stars are you know they're known they're a known commodity so if you don't have like the 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 cachet of what we perceive as stars then how can you spin this uh, uh, you know promotional uh, promoting wise uh to take advantage of your project well um one of my favorites quotes is from Zig Ziglar. This, he's a famous salesman, and he always, has always said that every sale has five basic obstacles. No need, no money, no hurry, no desire, no trust. So really, whenever the professionals or the, all the you know, um, experts talk about you need a name star, what they're talking about is trust. That's the only aspect when it comes to sales. Um, you know, when a distribution company... Um, is taking on a project you got to make their job easier which is why they want movie stars they want name stars and really what they're asking again if you look back at this the five obstacles of every sale doesn't matter what you're selling these are the five obstacles that all customers have in their mind if they if they have no trust um, they may not buy your film or they probably won't which is what movie stars or name stars provide to the film industry is sort of a name brand so that If I'm clicking through iTunes or something like that, I can have an opportunity to go, oh, I like that particular actor's work. I wonder what they're doing. That is a form of trust. So understanding that basic parameters of sales, we can go into uh, something like this. Um, This t-shirt says, we are all famous to a few people. (laughs) And this is from a a filmmaker, writer in uh, Los Angeles as well, Joe Wilson. He creates a a web series called Vampire Mob. And you can look more on what he's doing at VampireMob.com. But I've always loved this T-shirt that he created as part of his crowdfunding campaigns, as part of his community. It's just this concept of like, you know what? We are all famous to a few people. And then that's what you want to embrace. So um, there's something called... Vanity metrics versus engagement metrics. And the concept here is that um, I'll stop here. So vanity versus engagement. So I'll go back to my fat head real quick. So we see a lot of times that somebody might have a ton of Facebook likes or a ton of Twitter followers, or maybe they do pretty well in the IMDb rating, you know, but those only matter to certain people. And, um, and somebody who fo- uh, focuses on the uh, metrics or the vanity metrics of getting so many of those numbers sometimes um, don't necessarily uh, look at the engagement metrics mean that you may not necessarily need a large number of followers to have higher engagement. Uh, it's, it's happens all the time. Somebody might have like 10,000 Twitter followers um, but probably couldn't sell one thing to anybody on that Twitter follower, you know, but somebody, I mean like anybody following them on Twitter, if they try to sell something they probably couldn't sell any of it anything where somebody might have 100 people on twitter but uh, that are following them but they probably sell maybe only like to 60 70% of those people and that's the difference between engagement and then vanity metrics so um, let me see here i know you're i see you that you're driving martin but do you uh, can you hear me okay good so let's let's see when i'm going to talk to you about when I look at your guys' situation as your uh, wife is, you know, um, working in the industry and, you know, doing the rounds as, uh, as an actress, you know, the auditions, and she has a small Twitter following, you know. And the thing is about this, like, this is to talk about Twitter. She might say, have a thousand people that follow her. Those are potentially a thousand real people. Like, if you can imagine if you had a thousand of those people in a room, that's pretty significant. So the tool with Twitter, she's, Uh, she's has the opportunity to actually engage with them. If they're following her and she's following them back, she can direct message them. She can uh, shout out, you know, shout to them out on Twitter by just asking comments or questions or commenting on tweets that they're delivering that engagement versus a vanity metric allows to build that um, the famous, the the t-shirts we just saw that we're all famous to a few people, you know? (laughs) So if she can be famous to those few people, that could build the uh, uh, audience loyalty to what projects you guys are working on next. Um, And so we'll get into that um, uh, next here in terms of uh, why that means like, why you don't necessarily need like all the numbers. You don't need like a huge following sometimes. You just need to have really good engagement metrics. So um, I'm going to throw back onto the slide share real quick those are watching live. We'll see a little black screen. Let's see here. And if you have any questions, Martin, just chime in again. Like if you get settled in your car and just unmute yourself and then go ahead and ask. So let's look at the YouTube generation. So YouTube generation has those who are doing very well on YouTube, um, on YouTube um, have a high engagement rate, you know, and just recently, uh, just I think just this past weekend was the VidCon down in Los Angeles. This huge convention for basically all YouTubers, just the influencers and people wanting to meet their their superstars on YouTube or or their, they have their own channel. Um, you know I haven't had a chance to to make it down there yet, but it just looks amazing. Everything that I read about it and friends that do go down there. So YouTube has the YouTube generation. It doesn't have to be YouTube. It could be Tumblr, Instagram, any social media platforms. But the the overall um, purpose of engagement is that there's a new generation that um, is feeling more like the influencers or the people that are have a presence on any of these social media platforms are the tools allow them to have this sort of personal engagement with an audience. And again, they don't need to have 10,000 followers. Yes, the superstars do. They have 10,000, a million followers, that kind of stuff. But the average Joe, you know, could easily probably pick up a 1000 people following them and whether or not they are all connected in the same um, you know, mindset, that remains to be seen. But it wouldn't take that long to necessarily you know, build up a 1,000 people online you know, by just, just following the simple uh, metrics of you follow them, they follow you, you engage in some sort of conversation within that medium, and then um, you, know, you go from there. That's, that's working in the small numbers, but you're working on high uh, turnaround and engagement. So that's what the, what we can learn from the YouTube generation. Um, your next question was, and this all kind of ties back because you're like, you'd ask with most Uber indie films only earning about thousand dollars online, what is the fastest turnaround for the solo filmmaker to earn a 50,000, fifty budget? let me ask that, say that question again, (laughs) what is the fastest turnaround for the solo filmmaker to earn a $50,000 budget back? So this is probably where a lot of filmmakers are in the same boat, which is like, wait, you're saying that most Uber independent films are only earning generating about a thousand dollars online. And if I, but if my budget was $50,000, how am I going to get that money back? So to, uh, to explain where this $1,000 comes in, um, this is what I, I gave this little analogy last week about VOD uh, sales projection numbers, but it's, it's worth repeating again because I think it's just a simple concept to, to grasp. If we look at a Starbucks coffee, um, we all agree it's like like a $4 coffee, right? It's on average. People are spending four dollars for a Starbucks coffee. The only difference is, is like Starbucks coffee has a addictive ingredient inside its product. So it, cor- it forces people to come back. Um, and so Starbucks has to sell a lot of coffees and they're able to sell a lot of coffees. So that's a high volume of transactions that are needed to you know, make that empire the way it is. So if we look at digital film, basically a digital film product selling online, um, the average price point is also $4. So we're essentially we're all just selling coffees. The only difference is our film product costs us like maybe $50,000 to make or $25,000 to make. Um, so if we rely just selling it at a $4 price point, um, we're going to need to sell a lot of units, have a lot of transactions to make our 25 dollars $50, $50,000 budget back. So here's another uh, illustration to better understand the numbers. So if your film budget is $25,000, then $25,000 divided by $4 of what you would rent it or sell, sell it online for you would need over 6,000 transactions to make your $25,000 back. So the average inbound marketing rate, meaning the conversion rate of somebody landing on your site or the impressions they get of your product, is usually about a one to one to three percent conversion rate. That means that you would need to generate about over 600, 25,000 to over 1.8 million trailer views. Those are what. Trailer views at least gives you an example of uh, media impressions that a consumer, after they've seen it so many times, or has that many views, or people have seen it because of interest or word of mouth, um, only one to three percent will actually make the effort to buy or purchase or buy or rent your film. So if you look at that, that's a lot of trailer views that need to be made just to make twenty-five thousand dollars back. So. Let's imagine if your film, that I'm, so I can go back here. So that's where the numbers come, come from. So if you're looking at this, you know, most films are averaging about earning about $1,000 to $2,500 online. And when I say most films, I'll go back to my fat head real quick. Um, <laughs> the, when I say that is because this is the uber-independent filmmaker. This is the person that is like you and I just making something and putting it up online. We don't have a distribution deal. We don't have any named actors. There's, you know, there's probably not a huge list. You know, we don't have a following. This is just straight up. I made something, I put it up online, and now I'm selling it on various platforms. Vimeo on demand, VHX, Distrify, whatever it is. The, um, if you're able even to get it on iTunes, the numbers that I've seen for films that don't have all those elements in place, don't have a name star, don't have formal distribution, don't have a, a, pro, like a, a real strong genre. Um, the returns online, they're only earning about anywhere from $1,000 to $2,500 to $5,000 a film. So it's crazy to think that you're going to make your money back if your budget was 25 dollars dollars $250,000. So let's go over this um, graphic again. So, so you can see that. Okay, great. So that's, that's where the number comes from. And that's where the question that Martin had asked, which is like, if most, most films are earning about a thousand bucks online from direct sales, then how do we make the $50,000 budget back? Um, yeah. So I'm sorry, here's the metric again. So if most films are generating, say if your film is generating about 10,000 to 25,000 trailer views, and you know the average inbound marketing rate is at one to 3%, then you're probably generating about 300 to 750 transactions um, you know, at a time. Obviously 300 to 750 transactions times an average price of $4, that's where the 1,200 or 1,000 to 3,000, that range between 1,000 and $5,000 per film, that's where this stuff is coming in. So you can really look at the numbers like, okay, Yeah, so just because you have 25,000 trailer views does not mean that 25,000 people are gonna pay for your film. Only about one to 3% of that are. And if you're only selling your film at a $4 price point, that's why you're only averaging these low numbers of 1,000 to $3,000. So what is the solution? Uh, Again, this is from last week's presentation, but we can expound upon a little bit more, is uh, experts always say you gotta do a hybrid distribution. Um, and you do hybrid distributions through theatrical events. Um, either you're using cable video on demand, uh, you're maybe garnering TV deals, uh, or you have foreign distribution, or then eventually you're using electronic sell through EST. And for those of you, just to, to clarify, EST is straight up digital downloads. You putting up something online and somebody either stream paying for the streaming of it or downloading it directly. So. This hybrid distribution and the things that I have in asterisk still call for um, formal distribution and formal deals in place. And so for the Uber independent filmmaker, a lot of stuff doesn't work. The hybrid distribution plan doesn't work if you don't have certain things in place. So that's why you can cross those out. You can do your own theatrical event through like, you know, tug or gather. Um, so the Uber independent filmmaker can still work off theatrical events and EST. Um, digital downloads. Um, you're most likely not going to get a cable video on demand deal. You're probably not going to get a TV deal. And you're probably not going to get a foreign distribution deal if you don't have all those things in place, named star, a formal distribution deal, and so on. So the real solution for um, us Uber independent filmmakers is one, you either got to make your movie really, really cheap, like extreme micro budgets, or... You have to have a high volume of impressions, high volume of impressions. So a lot of trailer views or a lot of people seeing what you're doing, or you can just do something different. So we look at this um, $4 coffee and our $4 digital download. What happened if we can turn that digital download into a hundred dollars? So now that's makes a whole big difference because if we're not selling a $4 coffee, but we're selling a hundred dollar film product, what is that hundred dollar film product? And then that's the bigger question is, well, then how would I make my $50,000 back if I'm selling a $100 product? Well, let's take a look. Your film is an advertisement. That's what I've come to understand from everything that I've studied and that I've I've analyzed, which is basically, you know what, if we approach our films as advertisements, we can advertise something of much more value of $100 to make this work for us as Uber independent filmmakers. So let's take a look at uh, this, this chart again, where I showed you the average trailer views for the Uber Independent Filmmaker you might be making like get 10,000, 25,000 trailer views, getting one to 3% average inbound marketing rate. So they're only garnering 300 to 7, or 75, uh, 750 transactions. If you're only garnering about 300 to 75, 750 transactions, Let's just put it right in the middle. So the average is like 500 transactions. If that's what the average is, then can you imagine if you look down below here, if all of a sudden you change the price point from $4 to $100. So now look at the, the numbers here. So you've got 300 transactions times $100. That's $30,000. And um, so Oh, hey. Go. Hey, Martin. Yeah, I'm back on. Okay, cool. There you are. So... I just wanna make sure you're good. Um,
1: totally good, I, I'm with, with you the whole time.
0: Okay, and then I want to, um, and if, you got, if you're able to garner 750 transactions at a $100 price point, you're making like $75,000. So the goal is to try to get your film product to that $100 price point and not the $4 price point. And the way we do that is, again, your film is an advertisement. So let's take a look at this graph here, this chart. You've probably seen this almost every website you might have gone to that you needed to buy a product, right? If you look at it, there's – on one side, they offer like a low price point of like 10 bucks, something in the middle for $97, and something like the premium package at $9.97. So with your film being an advertisement, you could sell your film for anywhere from 5 to $10 on the left-hand side. Or you can um, – Upsell it and ab- use your film to advertise something more expensive at a $97, $100 price point. And then also use, uh, offer something so outlandishly more expensive, maybe like one-on-one access to you on, um, on something like a, a personal uh, um, coaching session, a consulting session, or in terms of filmmaking, um, just things like that. Oh, hey, Martin. Yeah. Sorry, real quick. I don't know if you could put yourself on mute real quick just because the we can hear the um the tripod I think banging. Um, <laughs> just just so that until you get yourself settled, then you can unmute. I don't know if that's possible. I don't know if that if you're if you're a tool Oh, there you go. Thank you. <laughs> Very cool. Oops, here we go. We'll go back. So to look at this module again, if your film is an advertisement, you could sell it at the lowest price point, again, five, ten dollars, or you can upsell it. To uh, this, use it as an advertisement to sell something at the hundred dollar value or also use uh, sell something at almost a thousand dollar value. Sometimes the thousand dollar value, when you see these things broken up, the thousand dollar price point is only really used what they call like an anchor price, is to make the middle price, the middle option more desirable. Because if you took away um, the one on the right that says, you know, buy the one-on-one session for nine ninety-seven for almost $1,000. If you took that away and all you saw was the film and the modules, um, you would look at it like, I don't want to spend $100. I'm just going to buy the $10 price point. But because there's a third price that's being displayed to you, the $1,000 price point that's being displayed to you, now the middle price point looks more attractive. And that's done on purpose for a lot of people running sales Is to show this high price point uh, product. Now, once in a while, on a blue moon, a very small percentage of people will actually pay for that high end, you know, thousand dollar offering. So, in Martin's case, in his wife's case, maybe there could be this like pay a thousand dollars and have you know. you know, like if his, his wife's the, the movie star or the star of the film or something like that, there maybe could be like a, a private like performance uh, of, of them singing or whatever that, that their talents are. Somebody hires, you know, Martin and his wife to perform live at some place for, you know, $1,000. Uh, those are things that are in, uh, in your wheelhouse, Martin, that you could actually use that you can offer for that $1,000 price point that could be in connection, in conjunction with your film. So, oh, before you get started, I sight your. I don't know if you can turn your uh, camera because you're you're vertical on us. So you you might look normal now. You're upside down.
1: I upside
0: down. Uh, now you're turned the other way. But uh-huh. turned like you're still um, there. You're upside down. Oh, one more. I don't know if you could turn it one more time.
1: <laughs> Every time I turn it, it flips. Maybe I better log out and log back in real quick.
0: Okay, do that. This, yeah. this is too funny. I'll we'll be here. Okay, so. Anyhow, so if I get back into that, I will get back to my face. So when when I get into this thing about film being an advertisement, uh, for those of you who have been following me know, um, what I gathered for understanding, of if we look at it from an outside perspective, Hollywood is not in the film business anyway. And so neither should the uber-independent filmmaker be. Uh, They need to be – you look good, Martin (laughs) (laughs) – So um, I was going to say I was letting people know that you probably heard me say this before, but Hollywood is not in the film business. They are in the business of license exploitation, which is a a heck
1: of a thing to wrap your head around, because then you have to think, well, what am I advertising?
0: Exactly. Yeah. So and here's something funny, because most people we know that are working in freelance um, once in a while that actually make a film. But most of the time they're making their money because they're being hired by an ad agency needs to like run a make a commercial and they hire a production company, you know, and the production company hires a director, a DP, musician, whatever it might be. Like all these people are making their money because a company that has a product or service that's you know worth more needs the services of Hollywood or experts throughout the world to be able to make film content or commercials to drive sales to their product. So majority of the stuff we do so the movies we're we're meant to think that the movies are a product they are to some extent but if you really step back and look at the reason why Hollywood needs to control a license an IP license is because they need to be able to exploit that license over and over again in many different formats and i always use george lucas as the poster boy for this because he's the first one to tell you that all the money's in the action figures um and if we either one of us own the star wars license you have to ask yourself what would you do with it he <laughs> would he would do exactly the same thing that he would have done with it which is sold it to disney and what did what did disney do as soon as they got that license they're like, we own the license of Star Wars. What do you think we're going to do with it? We're not going to sit on it. We're going to make another movie. We're going to make, you know, Netflix series, uh, cartoons, toys, blah, 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 blah. I'm sorry, I bumped the mic uh, all over the place. So the, the benefit is the uber-independent filmmaker has the opportunity to create something from nothing and control that license. As long as they are viewing it as like, okay, I'm going to make a film based off this world that I created. But the film is going to be It's going to be a product, but it's going to be a low end product because that's the market. That's the Mm. demand of the market says I'm only willing to spend 99 cents, $4, $5, $10 on a film. So I need to make up the capital by using it to advertise something more expensive, which is why I'll bring back to this, um, this chart here real quick. Just that. It's like you can see like, oh, I could see where a film could be sold for 10 bucks, but then it's advertising something at the $100 price point and maybe 99, almost $1,000 price point. Now, let me show you something that's already happening on, on a different scale. Um, this is a, a documentary called um, Stripped. It's a documentary about um, the, um, the old uh, Sunday morning comics or something, the, you know, cartoon artists and comics. So this is on VHX. They use VHX to sell this landing page. But you can buy this deluxe edition of their documentary film for 20 bucks. That's normal, right? That's some, like a price point where normally we're able to see. But if you scroll down this, they have this stripped super awesome deluxe edition where they're selling for $65. So that's closer to the $100 price point. And the great thing about VHX using this service is that they allow for this uh, opportunity to bundle. And they are the first ones to tell you that filmmakers have got a bundle. And what I just showed you was how to build a $100 bundle or $1,000 bundle. And so there's all these different options here that are greater than the $4, $5, $10 sale of the film. Now, if you scroll down, they actually even broke it up because this was a particular film that interviewed, you know, all these famous uh, cartoon, um, uh, newspaper comic uh, book artists and writers so if you want to learn about the creative garfield jim davis you can buy just his interview alone for three bucks so these documentary filmmakers were able to bring break up individually all these great interviews of everybody that they had to talk to um, for the making of the film so this is a way that they're exploiting the license that they created other ways to diversify the the content that they created or you can put it all together when one nice big price is 65 dollars um, you can see if they had people that were loyal to what they were doing, uh, a really great audience engagement. You, a large percentage of them probably bought it for sixty-five dollars. You know, so now if we go back and um, you know think about the metrics of an average of three hundred to say like a thousand transactions for an you know Uber independent film. You know, what's a thousand times sixty-five bucks? You're like almost sixty-five thousand dollars. So that's one way to get your $50,000 back, you know? <laughs> so, um, let me see what I got, what I have on my slide here next. So before I get started, the next section, cause this is kind of ties in Martin to mm. the, uh, the whole theme of, uh, today's show, which is F marketing. <laughs> That's the next section. I just want to make sure that, um, if you had any questions about anything that I've kind of presented so far that might help you because like your first question is like, well, how do I leverage N- Natasha's, you know, um, Work I means like I saw mm-hmm. that she's like, you know, um, say she has a thousand Twitter followers, she has yes. an opportunity to uh, use her winning personality, like her charisma, to win over people on Twitter one person at a time through engagement. So, you really want to focus on engagement metrics and not vanity metrics. Like, don't worry about, um, you know, whether or not you have a thousand, ten thousand, sixty five thousand. They're real people behind those numbers. So, mm-hmm. if you get to that place where you're engaging with them. And I'm thinking, too, you know, with her talents in her charisma coming off on camera, you sh- you, she can just pick up a phone or something. And you're mm-hmm. and part of your making of your film, just do quick highlights so that those are just sh- shot out on Instagram or Twitter or on your email list. So people get to see these funny bits of who she is. And, you know, obviously you married her. So you've, mm-hmm. there's something about her that made you fall in love with her. So I think it's it's one of those things you have to show that aspect to her to the fan base. So let them fall in love with her as well. And, the, you know, it, then that would become a very vital piece in terms of the engagement. And then that's where you can leverage the promotion of that. You know, so
1: you know, you're just talking about like some uh, just some quick uh, shorty shorty videos yeah. custom for Twitter and Instagram, that kind of stuff using their. Six second or their fifteen second videos kind of thing. Yeah, this I, is a great idea.
0: You know what? I'm I'm gonna be t- honest. My my daughter and I just there's some people on Vine that are hilarious. There's the Bat Dad on Vine. He does. The, he wears his Batman mask and he just films himself like just the corner of his face, and it's always mm-hmm. his kids behind him, and he's always doing like <clears> hey, <throat> and he scares the crap out of his his wife <laughs> and his kids, but he has all this funny bits. They're all six seconds. Uh, Thomas mm-hmm. Sanders is another fan uh, pe- uh, Vine superstar that we love. But I guess there's something, the, the small bit of work that I saw Natasha doing, I could see, uh, she, this is a platform that she could use that wouldn't take up much of what you're doing. Just Mm -hmm. it's, it's on your phone. Boom. It's just a matter of whether or not that's what you feel comfortable with that, whether or not that's what you want to do, you know? Um, but it, it's one of those things that doesn't hurt just to try for a little bit to see whether or not you like it or not, because Mm -hmm. There's so much social media noise anyway, like you could try something and nobody knows about it.
1: I know right, if it doesn't. If it doesn't. I had a, a thing I did a couple of years back where I was doing. I called them musicals," because I would write a song one well, song a week based on the news, attempting to be humorous. I made it through seven weeks before I kind of let it peter out. Who knows maybe if I kept going, I could have built up traffic, but you know, it didn't work nobody cares. Nobody's yeah, holding nobody it cares. against me. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Here's the thing. You actually hit the nail on the head, which is like the way a lot of this stuff works is consistency. Mm-hmm. Um, when we're talking about engagement, this is a form of engagement. This creation of film marketing Fridays was I identified, I was watching these Google live Google, I can't speak it. Live Google hang out on air sessions, which I thought was fascinating that you and I, I mean, I live in totally different cities. We haven't met in person, but we're able to communicate no. on social media, communicate on email. And now we're here talking face to face. But the the conversations we're having could have a lot of value.
1: Oh, yeah. And honestly, I mean, think of how great today is. Uh, today's times are is even a last minute audition didn't stop me from, you know, being here participating. So,
0: yeah, like, it's it's fantastic. Yeah. So. This is a to me, for me, film trooper. This is a form of audience engagement because I it took me a while, but I really enjoy this part. Like, I enjoy meeting new filmmakers like yourself, or just to have this conversation to to, to together can we knock down uh, the barriers or just answer these questions that I, I think collectively feel like nobody's answering for us, you know? Oh, yeah, honestly,
1: because <laughs> you know, I'll go to the classes and I'm not totally dumb. So, you know, I try and keep up and (laughs) read the blogs and read, you know, the film specific and all that. And, you know, everything's going for the traditional path in one form or another, where, you know, if it's not a studio picture, you're going to either try and you know sell foreign or you're going to get a coalition of investor, you know, the whole, or go to the film festivals and try to pick up distribution that way. And uh, honestly you're the only person I know who's like focused on stuff we can do that's within our own power to actually not depend on other people, but to create our own, you know, do take it and create it a, band, a our own brand, because they'll have a brand, but do something with it to generate something useful and, uh, and self, possible self sufficiency. And, you know, I know that a video on demand thing is a tough deal. I have a friend who's got two movies up there and she doesn't have that many views, even though her work is fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, it's like cracking this code. And honestly, this is new to me. And since, uh, you know, I've read your book, I'm also reading Launch, which is, yeah, uh, I know, what book. book that you'd read. And it's like, it does open up your brain channels, you know, because I've been in a creator my whole life. And, you know, but if we create it, it's like, what good is it unless we get it out there to an audience of some kind? And uh, so this is like a very specific, but potentially liberating way to, uh, to think about our product, so that we can, you know, have our audiences there for us on the next one, hopefully as well too, and uh, and you know, so the the code I think here is because I, I had heard a, a, a your previous interview with the person who did so well with his documentary. Yeah. And hearing about these comic books, I hear when it's like real life stuff, it seems like a natural upsell to like have more material on that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And the real code is like is the real brain teaser is how to make this real. Oh no, I lost him. I lost him.
0: Okay. Um, I think he knows we're right. going. Oh, there he is. Yeah.
1: Sorry about that. Uh, the, the real, <laughs> right in the important part, the real uh, <laughs> thing is like how to make this work on, a, you know, we want to make narratives and how to have that where the f- film being an advertisement for something else, but yet we still want to make the film to have something that works, you know, in a win win like a great product that people would want to spend that hundred dollars for, um, you know, that, that's actually attractive and also beneficial. And then of course I do like the, the bigger upsell where it's like a personal appearance and yeah. you know, that seems like a no brainer for filmmakers. Okay. You get a spin, uh, we'll come speak at your event or something like that. So this is dude. I think you, you were identified where the rubber hits the road on this and there's a whole new, th- uh, industry of if people think right something could open up here and uh so i don't know I, I i have to say thank you for uh for forging where no one's really forged
0: oh thanks there's a there i've seen a lot of there are people i do follow I, I know like um i'm friends with jason Brewbaker filmmaking stuff.com i went to a, decided, a, a, a seminar
1: yeah. of his and i uh you know i know him
0: yeah, great. So it's like, there's um, uh, just talk, I just was on a podcast with, uh, for Film Thrive, a uh, guy out in North Carolina, uh, Errol, um, I can't pronounce his last name, Avian Lino, I think it is, but he's on the same path too. Like there's a lot of people that are, it's neat because what we're just doing is applying uh, online uh, business and online marketing strategies, but how do we fit it into the filmmaking world? And so all I'm trying to do is curate and connect the dots. And, but, there's one aspect that seems to get missed with a lot of like experts that are in the business part of it or the marketing part of it, that sometimes they miss the creative reason of why we're doing this or, and I'll, let me show you that. Cause this is, this, this sums up perfectly with like having too many things to think about that curse of like, Oh my God, like, what do I work on? Um, so we'll get in that section right here, which is <laughs> the filmmaker's curse. <laughs> so, the filmmaker's curse is that we just got too many things to think of. There's so many things that we want to do. Um, and that's where you, that's the whole theme of this show is uh, for today's session is when you have this filmmaker's curse, then you're just feeling like, oh my God, I just, I just want to make something. I don't want to be bogged down about whether or not it's for an audience, what market it's going to be for. And that's where you get frustrated and you're just like, well, F marketing. Like F at all, like, cause you just want to be a creator. Um, so there's a bigger question to that is to, if you ever find yourself in that boat where you can't focus, you can't quite know what the next steps are. And if you feel like you're selling out because you know, like, you know what, I, I want to do this really experimental film, but I know there's not a market to it. Well, you don't know unless you take a deep breath and really ask a deeper question, which is. Who do you want to serve? Like, start with that question. Like they always say, like, got to know your audience, find your audience. So I say, let's take a deep breath and just ask yourselves, who do you want to serve? Now, um, with that said, I know that Film Trooper is designed to be an educational platform. It is designed to be a platform to have discussion. So I have found myself really enjoying meeting filmmakers like yourself, but I also found that uh, I'm meeting filmmakers that have gone through the, um, the rigor remove or like they've gone through the process, <laughs> like they've gone through the pain of making several films and not seeing the results they want. Um, I don't see a lot of young people coming through film trooper. I don't see a lot of people, uh, you know, that are new to filmmaking, uh, the, the audience that I'm finding oh. that is specific to film troopers. People have gone through the pain. And then they're asking some deeper questions. Uh, most people that are starting out or they're younger or maybe just starting out, they, uh, they're part of just excited about the filmmaking process. You know, they're, like they're still learning the filmmaking process. They're still learning what cameras to use or, or they enjoy the conversation of the latest, you know, g- camera gear stuff. Yeah, I need to get ex- them to
1: work on my stuff for free <laughs> while they, before they learn. <laughs> so
0: there's a, so what I come to identify that I understand that this is the people that I'm serving and I enjoy it. I enjoy it Cause I, I'm there with everybody else. It's like, i have you know, I've went to film school and I also studied and, and produced things and, you know, I made my film. I worked at Sony places station, making movies for a big corporation. So I understand, um, that does, uh, that process, the creative process and thinking that there isn't there a system in place. Like if I make something, is this what's supposed to be the next steps when that doesn't happen. What are the other avenues? And so that's where I've decided for film trooper who I've come become comfortable with, who I want to serve is filmmakers who have gone through the pain and I'm trying to help them say, you know what, don't worry about it. I think there's a way like I don't know, I'm I'm early on on this, but I I feel like I'm i I'm, I'm like you said I'm onto something that make, is beginning to make sense because I'm beginning to see signs from other filmmakers that it's it's doable. Now we just need to have like a little bit more semblance of a system in place that allows people so that they can not be so stressed out about like well how I'm going to make my money back or how I'm going to you know raise the money or like how do I know if this will get picked up? You just let all this stuff go, let it all go, and you can be like let me be the artist. Um, but I need to have an audience. Like I need to know not just a audience, but I need to serve an audience. I need to mm-hmm. be confident in my abilities as, as an artist to ask a simple question of an existing audience to say, what kind of cool shit can I make for you? <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, that's the curse. Let me go back. to let's see the next slide here. What do I got next? Oh yeah, this is it. Here's a little trick, something I don't know, but it's something to really think about. Uh, Because I've actually had this question asked to me by some other filmmakers as well. So we have this chart here for those who've seen it, um, where I was mentioning that the average trailer views for the Uber independent filmmaker that doesn't have a distribution deal, no name stars, maybe no strong genre, it's just the ability to make something and put it up online is maybe an average of 10,000, 25,000 trailer views. It might be also be impression views. Like if you might have a YouTube video that might get a couple thousand views. Well, again, the average inbound marketing rate is that one to 3% of people actually seeing what you're offering are actually going to do something or actually going to buy something. If you have some sort of call to action in place mm-hmm. with your trailer or with your YouTube videos or your one-offs, if, if, as long as they're always giving some sort of call to action at the end of it that tells people what you want them to do. Sign up for the email list, or buy the video, or rent the video. Only one to three percent are actually going to do that. So the average transactions, again, are like five hundred, you know, five hundred to seven hundred fifty to thousand transactions. That is real world numbers. Those are doable numbers for the Uber independent. So now let's look at the top number. If we look at like, if the average is around twenty five thousand trailer views, let's say you're just starting from scratch, you have nothing. Well, one thing to think about is like, you know what? what happened if I can get um, in front of 25,000 engaged people, engaged audience? So the reason why I'm saying that is like, if you're, if the question is like, how do I make my $50,000 budget back? And like, um, and also who do I make my film for? Instead of trying to build from scratch an audience, once why don't we take an audience, ask the question of like what audience already exists out there that has 25,000 engaged people already, you know, and then you have to ask yourself that deeper, that bigger question, which is, you know, well, who do I, you know, who do I serve, Mm -hmm. you know, because you just don't want to do it. If you're doing it for money reasons, you're going to feel completely empty afterwards. You know, it's just not going to be worth it. That's a very,
1: very, very important uh, point. And that's one of the things I, Enjoyed about reading your book. It's not talking about like give me, give me. It's talking about it being a win-win for everybody, and it is true. You're gonna feel empty if you just go chasing it for money. Because you know, I've tried a couple things where, oh, I'll try this because it's hot. It's just, it's, it peters out. It does.
0: Yeah, and like you know, this is the I've been doing film marketing Fridays for a year now, and the the one thing that tells me that I'm on the right track be, of what I'm doing is because I can't believe it's been a year. I've actually enjoyed the process in the year. I've I've kind of dabbled with other forms of media or social media platforms because I'm trying to figure out what works best for me to communicate these ideas. So this format, it being a long format, this conversation format, um, I really enjoy. So what I'm getting at is I need to figure out the next step for, say, like maybe the my next film or this film or your film or whatever might your film might be like you, you have to explore what you think that you already like doing. And then, then you have to also enjoy the people you're talking to. You know, mm-hmm. I got be honest with you. I was a little nervous jumping into the world of independent film because there were so many cynics and like <laughs> it's scared because there's like a lot of people that can just be really brash and, um, um, you know, trollish and like, you know, but once you put yourself out there and you realize a lot of good people out there, a lot of people that want to connect and, and answer the same questions that, you know, that actually outweighs all the trolls or the messages that I get that are negative, you know? So it's a good thing. because it's like, okay, that, that f- f- fuels you to keep going. So to help clarify the filmmaker's curse for you. <laughs> it's like, and not get so bogged down by so much information about business and marketing. Um, Cause I believe me, I, I eat this stuff up all the time. I'm, I'm reading, I'm listening, I'm studying, I'm trying to apply. And I have moments all the time, just like I have to just take a walk because my brain is just fried. I can't think of like, well, what, what are my next steps? And um, you know, the creation of the cube was in response to all that. I was so frustrated because I was trying to make a film for the market for the American film market to, I was trying to make something that the market would want and nothing that I was creating. I had any heart in it because I was like, I felt like I was just making it for the market as opposed to sometimes I totally get it. Sometimes an artist, you just got to take a deep breath and go F marketing. What can I just do right now that I feel more, most compelled about it might be the most it might be a thing that's doesn't even make sense or is not even the right thing to do um, there's that song by one Republic you being a you know musician <laughs> there's that song uh, they have called counting stars It's one of their hit songs
1: yep, yep.
0: and the premise of that song is like basically him expressing his 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 stress and angst to his to his wife about not making it. This is like before they blew up a couple of years ago, he was a struggling musician. And the lyrics of that song, they had something to the effect of like, everything that I do that I know is right feels wrong. And everything that I do that is supposed to be wrong feels right. The concept of like, why do I keep doing this? Um, like when I'm doing what everybody tells me to do, the right, I'm supposed to do the right thing. It just doesn't feel right. But when I do the thing that makes it feel right to me, you know or what people think that it look wrong on the outside like that's a wrong decision you shouldn't be you know pursuing this artistic thing that's going nowhere that's where he that's when he felt the most alive and felt right so that's something that um that i get kind of bugged out about when i see some you know uh, a lot of stuff on the in the on the blogosphere about experts telling filmmakers you know you got to do this this and this And a lot, I'm like, you know, sometimes you just don't, the creative process is not that way. The creative process can be really messy and Mm -hmm. you don't know what is the calling for each person and that can't be ignored. So I feel like wherever you are right now to help you with your focus, it's just, no, there's gonna probably give me an audience. If if you are driven by it for whatever reason, you want to create. I know you got like a you got a film, you got a web series, you got a tons of things you want to do. Tons. Yep. Too yeah, too much, too much, too much. So just take a nice deep breath and going. What can I do realistically in X amount of months with mm-hmm. the stuff that we already have? That doesn't matter. Don't even worry about building. Like don't, maybe don't even worry about building an audience. Like everybody, t- all the experts will tell you. Like even, you know, I understand why to build an audience, but really is you might have an audience already that know who you are. Mm. Just start there and share with them your love for whatever that you're creating. And then when it's all finished, when I was trying to get show you this concept of like, maybe when you're finished, you can look towards an audience that's already engaged. Meaning like maybe there's a bunch of enthusiasts about eighties, you know, Synth songs or something I'm, I'm just putting something together like people Absolutely, it's
1: not a not a bad not a bad connection there okay like so
0: you it. got so some people like are fascinated by or the people are talking or sharing bits of music of that era so you look you do you're not even involved with this but you're watching because you're interested because mm-hmm. maybe that's something you're interested in but you see there's already 10,000 engaged people in a community about this uh there's already a leader or somebody who's already talking about it or that has already amassed a, f- a large following that is the exact audience that you wish that you could connect with. Right? So the thing is for you is to see what you create. Can that be considered added value to this already existing audience for either this influencer or this community? So the whole, the concept here is like if you need to get, um, 25,000 to a hundred thousand impressions in slash trailer views. Mm-hmm. Can you find uh, people that are already engaging in that um, in that conversation already? So that way you don't have to build from scratch the from idea. Zero, is like, yeah. So from zero, you're like, Oh, wait a minute. There's already a th- hundred, you know, a hundred thousand people talking about this specific topic that are really raving fans by it. So if all of a sudden I make a trailer that, creates added value to the discussion that they're already having. I could have potentially already immediately have a hundred thousand views and within those hundred thousand views, you could potentially have a call to action that leads you back to the sale of your film. So now, now we're beginning to sort of um, what they call growth hacking in the startup world. Mm -hmm. It's like Tim Ferriss is, you know, the, uh, the poster boy for this, uh, of the four hour work week. He, his whole concept was this book was like, do you really, can you do the same amount of things you're doing at 40 hours, 80 hours, hundred hours a week, but only do it four hours? Because he got into this whole concept about systemizing, you know, like Hmm. optimizing, like why, why should I use all my hours doing the same amount of work that I can get done in a half hour, you know? So there's a concept that we could use as filmmakers. Uh, You're not necessarily hijacking somebody's audience. You're adding value. You're serving that audience but maybe you don't have to build the audience from scratch. Maybe all the experts that say like, oh, you need to start early. You need to build your audience. You need to collect that audience. Um, I'm saying that if you're in a bind, you know, and you're trying to like get going fast and you're only one person, maybe you Martin are on, you know, it'll just take too long um, to build up this massive following, but you as one person could step back, look at an already existing audience that you actually do like, that you Mm -hmm. actually would love to be part of that community and just ask yourself like, with the stuff that we have, what can I create for that audience to add value to that world? Mm -hmm. And then does the metrics then work in your favor because if there's a raving community of a half a million people and there's there's an avenue for you uh, to create stuff for that, community and say a small 1% actually digs what you're doing, the 1% that actually digs, digs it enough that they're going to willing to pay, you know, you might from that, those metrics be able to generate those 300 to 500, a thousand transactions. As long as you put in a business system in place or a value system in place that your film is one part of the equation, but you have to create that hundred dollar offering, a thousand dollar offering and you being a musician, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that you just take, take a deep breath and look at what's in front of you. Mm. Your resources and talents that you could offer up, and you never know. Somebody just might be just just enjoys what you're doing and says, "I will, I'll pay a thousand dollars to hang out with you and learn how to jam, have a jam session one night."
1: <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, you you never know. so you throw it out there. You, you know? put it out there. You know? you never know. You never yeah. know. Well, I mean, everyone has their own thingies, and you know, Natasha and I, we have our own. Uh, band together besides the stuff I've done on my own. So, I mean, there's permutations of what we all do. And it's it's uh, very, very inspiring talking to you because it's like – because sometimes we've got it right in front of our nose and it's like, yeah. uh, you know, don't quite see it with a perspective, you know. So I'm digging this.
0: The cool thing is like you don't have to um, – for anybody out there, it's like <laughs> – your stuff maybe not even be that good. And I'm going to say that. I mean, it's like, it's okay. Cause it doesn't matter. It just has to be valuable. It just mm-hmm. has to be valuable. And it all, it, also, you don't need a million people. There's like, <coughs> you're looking for, again, if you look at the metrics, you're looking for a 500 to a thousand transactions. Mm-hmm. So to, to basically engage, uh, with 500, a thousand people that, that are invested in what you're doing, that is doable. Like mm-hmm. in our lifetime, that is doable. And collectively between you and your wife, you know, you could already do that, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, already, like I said, you don't, in Twitter, you might not have a lot of followings, but it's just the effort. It's meaning that you can't be lazy about it. Like if, if you see that there's a thousand followers on Twitter, you got to spend time engaging with them and then sharing stuff with them or asking questions and see, you know, whether or not uh, they enjoy or why they even follow you in the first place or whatever it might be. And then that's just one list. And then you build your email list because the email list is like um, eventually your holy grail. But there's so many different ways to interact with people. Um, But again, if you don't have that list, you might as well just participate in an already thriving community. And then you know you just get the one-offs. You get the you, you, you. It's like some if they see that you're providing value in a community, like oh these are cool videos. I love the stuff that Natasha is doing or whatever her perform her little videos. Like we love it because it's adding to the conversation. And then you might get a small percentage. And again, just metrics. You just shoot for three hundred to a thousand transactions, or you know, and then figure out that hundred dollar price point if not more. Mm-hmm. And then before you know, it, you're like, holy cow, we just. We just
1: did it. We pulled off twenty thousand dollars, <laughs> fifty thousand, a hundred thousand dollars. You know, if you could knock that out twice a year, fifty grand twice a year, then you could kind of keep it rolling and not depend on somebody else and still do yeah. your bigger gigs as they come along. I mean, there's a there's a path. I love it.
0: Here's the cool thing too: is as soon as you make a little bit of money, if you are in the right mindset, mm. it, once you see that some small aspect of it works. Mm-hmm. Like we're talking about like, even if you make a couple hundred bucks, you're like, Oh, then you're going to ask yourself, well, Hey, how do I make more?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, well, how do I scale this? And then you're, and then it's a great thing because you're in a different perspective, uh, and a different mindset. Cause you're like, okay, this is doable because you feel empowered. You feel like this can be doable. Mm-hmm. And, um, there's a, you're being a musician. I forget, I forget the fellow's name. His name is Michael something. He teaches drums. He's like one of the renowned, uh, you know, um, Professional drummers that toured, you know, the '90s with a lot of punk bands or whatever. He mm-hmm. was like a studio drummer, but now he like teaches drumming on like one of the first persons on YouTube teaching drumming. But he's built a huge, you know, educational empire where he teaches just drumming. Mm-hmm. But his thing is like he loves teaching, and he says that this is the way he sees it. Because I I am no more an expert than the next person. The only difference is there's a timeline, and where I am in this timeline is here where the person starting out might be here, you know?
1: <laughs> like so, that joke, joke about running faster than the bear. Yeah. You know that joke, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. You just got to run faster than your friend. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so the whole point is, the cool thing is like, you might make a little bit of money that just says that this is where you are at the this part of the timeline in your journey, where you might hear people that have made like a million, a couple million. It just means that, whatever project they had, they were this, that's where they are that much further on the timeline. Like you can get there. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just, it's just breaking that seal and, and wrapping your head around like, yeah, I don't need to serve everybody. I just need to serve really, really well, a high value product value price point to a small number of people. And then all of this stuff is doable.
1: I believe it. I the the You have to love it. What you're going to be doing. Cause it's, there's a lonely period in there between, like the great idea and the inspiration, and then the results, where you got a. Gr- There's that grind it out period where you're kind of on your own. So you have to love it and see see the point in it enough not to flame out and let it drift off there. That's a, and that's what I love about this. There's talking about benefiting your audience, not just like getting something from them.
0: Yeah. And once we can get as artists sort of get out of our out of our own way, get out of our own ego and mm. get, get out of our own heads, we have a tendency like, for instance, if I say, oh, my God, I love I mean, I'm not I, I jam a guitar here and there, but I'm kind of a hack. But, you know, I come to you and just, like somebody there's like me and many other people might go, hey, could you um, how do you you know, how do you play this or how do you mm. make this or, or that was a cool song? Like, how did you go about making that song? all of a sudden now you're kind of like outside of your head outside of your ego and somebody's asking you a question then you feel sort of obligated to answer and serve and in mm. the process you are in, in in the moment you're flowing with it so creatively too you know making a film sometimes you just kind of go you know what i kind of i, I have an idea that this is going to be the audience um, i could do all the right business things to make it work but you know what i'm comfortable right now with, you know, my wife and I and our small team, we're just going to have fun doing this Mm -hmm. because we are going to have fun doing this and we're going to share that fun. And so all of a sudden, like every, you can have the wackiest story with the word, the weirdest genre (laughs) mashup, but if you (coughs) document the process of you guys enjoying what you're doing, Mm -hmm. then you have to step back and go, Holy shit. That is probably what we're marketing. You know what I mean? That, the, you're marketing joy. You are selling joy. And and nothing's, nothing's more awesome than somebody just doing what they do without mm-hmm. really caring what anybody else says, but absolutely having 100%, 100% joy in what they do and everybody else looking on the outside going, oh my God, I'm envious because somebody's so comfortable with their skin, so comfortable with what they do. Just like that is what I want. And that becomes a selling point.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: your film could be an advertisement for the celebration of the journey, celebration mm-hmm. of the joy when it's all finished. Um, you know, geez, the Hollywood studios have to do this all the time. Like, I don't know. What do we do with this film? We just got, yeah, they get They're it. Like, they get
1: it. They have to market department. Doesn't know anything about it in advance. I'm sure sometimes.
0: No. Yeah. They, a distribution company acquires something. Like, I don't know. We got something. What do we do with this? And some marketers are really good, you know, some, but, most of the time marketers are, they're used to a system like, you know what? Don't make my job hard. You know, it's like, you know how it is. Like it's easier if you had a name star, it was just like a standard genre, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of lazy man's marketing
1: because, but you know, as a, I'm on this Uber indie level though, but that's one of our resources. Like, you know, for writing our own screenplay, you know, Mm -hmm. sometimes people complain, the big studio picture, the screenplay got muddled. It's like, that's the kind of stuff that we can do without an extra cost. And these ideas of how to market, it's just a little extra brain juice to find that winning formula.
0: Yeah. You know, it's interesting you said um, the, the writing process, like whatever, like to help you focus in your next project, like just have a wonderful Friday night out with your wife or something just to say, what do we really want to do? Don't even worry about the audience or market And then, you know, write it or do some boards or do some quick video tests. Mm. And then when you sit back, um, then like periodically have a check in to say, could this be marketed someplace? Like, Mm. don't let it take over your life, but just kind of keep in the back of your mind. Like, you know, i wonder how this could be marketed, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe not, you know, but if it, if it, if those decisions keep driving your creative decisions and you feel like it's a sellout, then that's when, you know, like, "Ah, I don't want to do that. You would definitely want to come from a, a true place creatively Mm -hmm. um um, but you know as you develop it the great thing about developing a script point you haven't spent a lot of money you've done all the hard work of creating it on the writing process or the design process and at that particular time you can ask maybe take a step back or have somebody take a look at it from an outside perspective or even myself if you want to you know shoot me what you have i can look at it and say okay yeah from a marketing standpoint i think this is where you can Generate your 500 transactions, your 1, mm-hmm. thousand true fans, and and try. This is potential ways you can you know sell a hundred dollar product, you know. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh cool. Then we feel good. We can just move forward and make it, you know, or whatever it is. And and then once you make it, you know, the creative process things change. And that's one. <laughs> that's the one thing that drives me nuts. For like the the business marketing part of it is that people people don't understand like where you start creatively and where it ends. Sometimes it's not the same thing. So, even though you might have a marketing message and marketing plan at the beginning, um, it completely changes maybe by the time you're finished with your, your film because mm-hmm. things happen. They're like, I wasn't cl- planning on that. But, you know, I mean, not, nothing is s- the studio systems do the best they can to hedge their bets and be risk, you know, be risk averse.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but the uber independent filmmaker could be a little bit more nimble, I think, um, and, and feel comfort in knowing, like, you know, that's cool. That's cool. You know, if I don't get a distribution deal, I know why, you know, that's that, that world of how they, they need to make and sell films. But the way I want to make something, I know that I only have to sell 500 units or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so it feels doable
1: anyway. No, I, I much appreciate it. Much appreciate it. It's funny. I I mentioned a friend who already has something on a a VOD Mm -hmm. um, on Vimeo. And what's interesting about it, it's like talking about like hedging your bets and doing something that, safe it's like this this one film is just so bizarre (laughs) seriously it's like it's like it it follows along with that like don't try to fit in the lines just do what's you know follow your passion and uh and find the people who are really gonna really gonna love it and also like abscond with someone else's fan base that makes a lot of sense
0: yeah i mean like somebody already might have had some success or people are Mm. talking about some really bizarre type films you can see that person entering the conversation with somebody already there's already like 50,000 people already talking about it or something mm-hmm. then you then that person presents in s- snippets or, or they're part of that conversation and that's why i say like the fun of like these short making of videos or these vine things people mm-hmm. see the joy or understand the creative process of why you made something so bizarre um it, it you're letting somebody in on you know the behind the scenes stuff which is why you know, DVD bonus features are always fun for a lot of people. Right. Right. Package that up into a bundle that you sell for actually more than the actual film. Um, you know, then that's one business plan you can go, go with. So it's
1: a solid business plan for now. And yeah, <laughs> and the best one I've heard, you know, for, uh, for something that's on like the totally like below indie level, like the really micro indie level. So uh, yeah, I, I think it's a, actionable and well thought out. And I mean, all your ideas have uh, made me rethink, you know, how I'm uh, uh, going about this and uh, it's, you know, serving your audience. It's like, um, hello, what a, what an idea.
0: <laughs> well, that's to say it like, like if you go to the American film market, you go to the markets, the one thing that's missing was I was there this past year, mm-hmm. in the past November was fascinating is new no audience. Like everybody's there to try to make a deal with another person who's a deal maker.
1: Yeah. Your audience there is distributors.
0: Yeah. And so they're all removed because they're all asking the same thing. Like, yeah, I think our, we could sell this. I think the audience, you know, from our metrics, audiences respond to these, sh- these schlock genre films or whatever it might mm-hmm. be. Um, but you know, th- they don't know. They're, they're still guessing. But the whole point is you're a success if you can make the deal. And, mm-hmm. and the audience is so removed, which is why you get a lot of backlash from people going, what the hell's going on with the Hollywood Are these films being proved? Why are they so bad? You know, because the, the, the industry that has to make them sometimes just have to turn out the schlock because they're just making the deals. So the Uber independent can, if they go completely opposite where they can make something wildly weird, you know, but, but be more engaged and open in the process of doing so. Um, that's what they that's the selling point really to to connect with an audience to allow somebody into their process and and into their weirdness or who knows i don't know mm-hmm. it's um there's definitely no one way to get to it but i think at least for the uber independent we don't have to feel like the distribution deal is the holy grail we don't mm-hmm. have to feel that we need to compete in the same transaction numbers as the Hollywood studio systems. Like we mm-hmm. don't need to compete trying to get so many numbers. Um, and we don't need to compete with each other because there's no mm-hmm. scarcity. We're not, we're not all competing for the one spot in Sundance or whatever it might be. Like your audience is completely different to the my audience. And, that and we should all feel that way. And, <laughs> and it's, um, the, the more, you know, the, the abundance mindset of just keeping, um, uh, healthy that way then it should liberate you to feel mm-hmm. like
1: great i think so and, and like you're talking about different audiences they don't there's not a competition if your movie is about bicycles and mine's about dominoes mm-hmm. it's it, they're not sabotaging each other it's a yeah it's a, a, an abundance concept which uh i i what can i say i freaking love it
0: yeah it's liberating it feels yeah. great um um, I remember a couple of years going to AFM feeling the stress of feeling like, ah, you know, everybody's got it. You got to feel like this, make this deal or you got to make you feel important or somebody's important. has got to notice me when you're not insecure that way. I could I was just enjoying just hanging out, just talking to anybody. Then, then and because I was in a place of like, I'm not selling anything. I'm just here to to listen and ask questions and have conversations. It was much more enjoyable that way because I felt. I could be of service, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's really f- interesting. I actually have to wrap it up. Uh, sorry. I have to take my daughter and her friends, <laughs> the teenage girls. Uh, Paper Towns is starting this Friday. The next, um, uh, the guy who wrote this, the, fil- uh, the book for Fault of Our Stars, is this is the next. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. So John, what's his name? John something. Uh, that's talking about somebody who's an uber rock star engaging his audience, uh, that author. Is, uh,
1: is a great case study. <laughs> well, we can all get there if we do something right, you know? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah. Hey, before I go, I just want to uh, say to anybody who might be watching, uh, watch Scott's movie, The Cube. Go to Vimeo. <laughs> spend the three or four bucks because uh, Scott's very humble about that movie and it's it delivers more than he uh, presents it when he talks humbly about it. <laughs> and so... I, uh, you know, Natasha, my wife, she loved it and, uh, and I loved it. So do yourself a favor and you're helping out a little too.
0: <laughs> you know, that's really sweet of you. Thank you so much. Yeah. You know, uh, that's I don't what to say. Thank you very much. But for those of you who stayed around and listen, um, be sure to check the show notes when we're all done here, I'm going to provide links to everything that Martin and Natasha are doing, all the stuff that they're working on. Um, and, and you're always welcome to come back to see where you're, where you're at. Cause it's like to, you know, have this platform to say, hey, we've, we, we had, we experiment with something. It was kind of cool. We came to this breakthrough. This is really great. This did happen, or this, this funny thing happened, or this bad thing happened, or whatever it might be. But, um, you're always welcome to come back and share with us, uh, your journey.
1: Much appreciated. I will definitely do it.
0: Awesome. So before I, uh, sign out here, my version of paying the bills, everybody, is, uh, if you want to know more about the stuff I'm talking about in the book that, uh, that martin was talking about it's this book how to make and sell your film online and survive the hollywood implosion while doing it, it is available as a kindle audiobook and paperback book over in amazon and if you just go to survivetheimplosion.com com, you can get that but you know what one last thing you really shouldn't go away empty-handed you know you should get something for free if you stayed around um we were talking about the digital download numbers or video on demand numbers. Um, and last week I talked about video on demand sales projections. So if you are in need of seeing some real VOD numbers and digital download numbers, I've been doing, putting together these free weekly VOD and digital download reports and that you can get sent directly to your inbox. All you have to do is uh, go over to free and you can get that. And you're all set. And you also uh, join the Film Trooper family uh, where I try to provide you as much more information as I can. So thanks for everybody for joining in on another episode of Film Trooper Presents for Marketing Fridays. I will see you next time. Thank you.